We come to this place for terror. We listen to Scared Gay to laugh, to cry, to jack off to Pablo's baby voices and Paul's horror history. Because we need that. All of us thoughts and queers, that indescribable feeling we get when the boys travel, host, or ghost. And we go somewhere we've never been before. Not just entertained, but somehow reborn. Yes! Slay Queen boots the house down, mother! Together. A dazzling Nicole Kidman as a murderous mother. Bratty rich English kids that annoy. Somehow, I am your daughter! Sounds good in a podcast like this. Bertha Mills feels like the best part of us, and gothic ghost stories feel perfect and powerful. Because here, the others, starring Nick Kidman, are. Hi, I'm Pablo. And I'm Paul. Welcome to Scared Gay. A horror movie podcast with a gay agenda. And today we're talking about The Others. Woo! Welcome back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Season 3. We are here ready to dazzle, razzle, and go. Or give you that razzle-dazzle. New Year, same queer. (laughs) (laughs) New Year, same us. Mm, Fun. Uh, well, listeners, we're so glad to have you back for season three. We have a lot of exciting films ahead of us as some amazing guests. Yeah, some awesome guests. I'm really excited. Oh, Pablo, it's so good to be back. Like, I, I, I see know. you a lot still, but we haven't we haven't been on the mic for a minute. It feels weird. My life felt <laughs> weird. I was like missing something. Um, But yeah, let's get right into it. Tell me, Paul, how is your... Life in a horror movie, not just this week, but the past few weeks. So, listeners, he's saying that because he already knows what my horror <laughs> I movie do? is. Yeah, so it's been the past few weeks. My life has been a bit of a torture porn <laughs> because I, end of last year, I was like, just, you know, got to the point where I was looking at myself. I'm like, you don't look like you did when you were 30. <laughs> so <laughs> let's so let's change some of that. So Pablo being the personal trainer that he is, uh, has been working me out. That sounded really bad. But I've been going to Pablo's uh, workout classes uh, <laughs> on top of like my normal gym, but been taking a lot of his boot camp classes. And holy fucking shit, each time I'm like, don't throw up. Don't throw up. And luckily, I have not. I did think I was going to throw up the day that you had me do that fucking sled thing. Oh, I love the sled. That's the best. It was fun. It was a good workout. But Jesus Christ, it was it was super tiring. And just thanks you for filming that video. <laughs> oh, of course. Um, You do what Chris does when he takes my boot camp classes, which is... Don't fucking talk to me right now. Just like, don't. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. Well, well, because when we worked together previously at an unnamed fitness tech company, I would do your workouts all the time, but I would only do your short 
her workouts because I couldn't handle the like super your your long <laughs> they were just too fucking hard. Oh shit. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Uh no, yes. you're doing really well. You should be very proud of yourself. You uh, you, you it's very obvious that you've worked out and so like as, as weird as it sounds but this is like a reality of it. Um you can tell when people are like new to working out, they don't really know, they don't have the best form and all that stuff. With you, you can tell you have all of that. You have like a really good base. You're not a beginner, right? And yeah. so um, it's like, you're doing great. I knew that you wouldn't throw up. I knew that you mm-hmm. would be able to keep up with a lot of it. And it's just getting like kind of back into the groove. You're doing fine. Totally, totally. Well, thank you, Papa. Of all right. Course. How is your life a horror film this week? Um, It's actually been kind of all over the place. There's been moments where it's been a horror film and moments where it's been like, the redemption arc. <laughs> um, but it's just like a work thing, right? Like where, where you know, new end of year, beginning of year, like there's a lot kind of happening. And so some weeks work is a little intense and kind of like it makes me want to rip my hair out, you know? And then other weeks I'm like, oh, this is like really easy, right? Like I feel bad because sometimes I'm like, oh my God. You know, like I find myself being like, why does no one want to work today? Like any of these, like I found like I sound like a Kardashian for a sec because I'm like, oh, my God, all these people are pissing me off. And then I'm fine. And then I'm like, oh, all these people are doing really great. Everything is working really well. Everyone is really reliable and things are good. And so that feels nice. So it's just kind of been like a little bit of a roller coaster. But we'll see how it goes. I think this is just kind of the nature of the beast, yeah. I should say. Right. Well, hopefully yeah. it calms down for you. Yeah, I would appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, let's get into the others, which first off, need to back up your fucking intro. <laughs> well, I, you so know, funny. So we funny. Were, you're the one who planted the seed that, that, you know, it would be nice if we can do something in reference to that. So I was like, I, cause I was like, how am I going to do an intro for this? This one, cause this is like a gothic horde. It's very slow burn and stuff like that. So I was like, how do I do it? So Thank you for the inspiration. All <laughs> no, good. Well, your delivery was just fantastic. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you. All right. Well, the others. Pablo, yeah. when did you first see the film? Uh, I saw it when it came out. I saw it in theaters. I went with uh, like some friends from school, and we went to go watch it. And I thought it was great. It was a lot of fun. I remember people's reactions to some of the things, right? Like the jump scares and all of it. And um, I thought it was great. I was like, oh, cool. Spooky's back. Like, I love spooky stuff, right? Because, you know, we had very little, like, spooky, slow burn atmospheric horror around this time. So it was great. Fun. Nice. What about you? Before this rewatch, thought that I had seen this, like, as a DVD later on. Yeah. But when I was watching this film... When we get to the line of where Nicole Kidman is, when the children are like, what do we do if we see a ghost? And she just goes, you say hello, and you continue on with your homework. (laughs) The second I heard that line, I immediately was taken back to the audience laughing. So I did see this in theaters. And uh, so I was about 12 when this came out. So Mm. this was right up my alley. This is also right on the heels of Moulin Rouge. And I know that, you know, that was a big discussion about how Nicole Kidman did both of those movies this year. It never super scared me as when I watched it when I was younger, just because I think because it is a bit of a slower burn. It's a little bit more psychological. I so for that reason, I like 
I had like fond memories of it. I wouldn't ever put this in like one of my favorite, favorite movies mm. on this rewatch. Obviously I'm an adult. I'm diving in more and seeing a lot of things that both. I really liked things that yeah. I thought were really cool, but then other things that I'm like, Ooh, this might be a ding for me. Uh, here and there I'll, I'll get to it. Okay. But let's go through a little plot synopsis. Uh, spoiler alert. Obviously, our whole podcast is a spoiler. Yes. But if you've not <laughs> seen this, maybe go back and watch it. And content warning, this film does contain uh, themes of child murder, suicide, and just Karen-ness. <laughs> Spo- yeah, content warning, Karen behavior. <laughs> Karen alert. Karen, Karen alert. alert. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> So, set in Jersey in 1945, a pious mother, Grace, lives with her two children, Nicholas and Anne. Both children suffer from a condition that makes them deathly allergic to light, causing them to live by candlelight in their manner and with the curtains closed all time, all during the day. One morning, three servants arrive looking for housework as they have worked in that very house before, and their previous staff vanished. The family feels fractured as their father is at war, World War II, fighting for England, and Anne keeps referring to the night her mother went mad. As the film progresses, Anne tells Grace that she's seeing ghosts in the house, and more strange occurrences and hauntings occur, but it turns out not as you would expect. The strange ghosts that they're encountering are not ghosts, but are the new inhabitants of the house. All three servants are ghosts, as are Grace and her children. So we learn what happened that night. Grace did, in fact, go mad and smothered her children to death before turning a shotgun on herself. The family resolves to live out eternity, protecting their house from this others, as this house is theirs. Ooh, spooky. 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 (laughs) It is a really it it is a pretty creepy premise. And like and the the atmosphere is definitely very well done. Oh, this film is great. I will say when I watched it, I it didn't I think because of how it's done with the candlelights and all this shit, I was like, oh, this film takes place in like 1910, not 1940. 40s right because when you think 1940s i think of like fucking like the odd couple right that might be like 1950s but that's not that far removed right so there's something about this this the setting the way they do this makes it seem like it takes place at a much earlier time but i think it's great part of that is because she does say that they don't use electricity in the house so that automatically set makes it feel much further back and like the styles like if you look at her she does look 1940s but everything else you're right just seems much older 19th yeah. century kind of vibe like turn of the, yeah for sure like winchester that era you know mm-hmm. um all right so this was written and directed by alejandro menavar it was released august 10th 2001 and it was made on a 17 million dollar budget and it brought in box office $209.9 million. So obviously it was a huge success. It was great. Um, So it stars Nicole Kidman. I kept calling her Nicolas Cage. I was like talking to people and I was like, oh my God, that wonderful Nicolas Cage film, The Others. (laughs) People were like, what? Uh, Nicole Kidman as Grace Stewart, a fucking raging bitch. Fionula Flanagan as Bertha Mills, 
queen, uh, Christopher Eccleston as Charles Stewart. Stewart! I think he's so hot. Alakina Mann as Anne Stewart. James Bentley as Nicholas Stewart, the world's oldest looking nine-year-old boy. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, you look at his face and you're like, I know that this is a child, but holy shit, he has the face of like a very worried 50-year-old accountant, right? (laughs) Uh, perfect casting, by the way, with this, especially this boy. Perfect casting. Mm-hmm. Alexander Vince as Victor, Eric Sykes as Edmund Tuttle, and Elaine Cassidy as Lydia, <laughs> who's just the shock of her death. Just shut her up, I guess. God, I mean, I feel like dying would maybe cause a little bit of trauma. Yeah, I think I I'd think be traumatized to be like, oh, I'm dead. <laughs> what do I do? All right. Well, let's go into some behind the scenes. So I did not know this, but this is based on The Others, an an episode of the Armchair Theater. What's that? In 1970. Yeah, so Armchair Theater was a British TV show that basically aired plays. Uh, from like the in like the 50s through like the 70s. Hmm. And so it was like I, uh, you know, broadcasted play. Well, oh, this nice play is a very similar plot but instead it involves a couple who arrive to a house and they think the house is haunted but then the husband goes outside to go to the car and sees their dead bodies in the car run into a tree so they were actually the ghost so it was mm. that whole that that whole kind of vibe so it, nice. it's definitely inspired but the name is the same. I'm shocked that this that there wasn't a credit to like a based on. Yeah, or it's not even it's not even on the I don't even think it's on the Wikipedia page. No, I didn't read anything about that on the wiki. Yeah. But what we did read about was Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise <laughs> were uh, together at the beginning of <laughs> of the others. And then by the time it came out. That same week was when their divorce was finalized. Damn. So if you remember that picture of her walking away from the divorce, uh, listeners, if you haven't Google Nicole oh, Kidman yes. divorce, you'll see she's like triumphantly walking away. <laughs> right. From- she's like, I got away from that fucking cult. No more fucking. The others are really the Thetans. She's fucking escaping. <laughs> she's all fuck this. Now, she never converted to Scientology, did she? She seems too level-headed to do that. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Yeah, and she but, seems like she's like, uh, I ain't letting this, I ain't letting this short king fuck me up like that. No way. I had a huge crush on Tom Cruise when I was little, He's but again, handsome. that was you know just the beginning to <laughs> my my questionable taste previously. <laughs> no, he he's he's he was handsome when he was young. He's hot for sure. Jerry Maguire did it for me. And oh that, yeah, no, and the scene of risky business, but but real. anyway. Fuck you, Tom Cruise. We're not talking about you right now. We're yeah. talking about Nicole Kidman. But he was an executive producer of the film. Yeah. Oof. So it was set in Jersey. Not, not New, New Jersey. Jersey. <laughs> Old Jersey. <laughs> okay, Pablo, I'm curious if you know the answer to this. Where is Jersey? So Jersey is in between uh, England and France. It's a tiny little island. Yes. Okay, good. Because I was thinking it was on the other side of England. I was totally wrong with where it's located. No, no, no. But, yeah, yeah. 
and actually jersey is really fascinating because it has like celtic but also like french french celtic history it's actually kind of wild yeah. like i find jersey to I, someplace i would want to go visit yeah i mean i also know there's that story the jersey devil which is not um angelina <laughs> <laughs> or snooki I was fucking obsessed with the Jersey Shore when I was younger. I have pictures of me when oh, I was Pauly oh D for Halloween. <laughs> it was oh, so good God. in college. But anyway, oh, God. but the movie was set in in Jersey, but it was filmed <laughs> in Spain. So th- this is a Spanish uh, American film. Mm. Um, Aminabar was a big fan of Nicole Kidman since To Die For, which you have to see this movie. Uh, have you ever seen To Die For? I've always so loved that movie. Good, it's so good, and it's based on the Pamela Smart case. Yeah, I heard that. I was like really fucking impressed by To Die For, by the way. And Nicole Kidman does such a great job in that film. Yes, I mean I have to show she's to she's Nicole Kidman. Okay, but so she, as we mentioned earlier, she was coming off of Moulin Rouge, which is depressing in its own right. At the end, like hey, I can, sister, I oh, sister, yep, oh, I, come I on, love give Moulin me, Rouge. Give me Lil Kim, give me Maya, <laughs> give me Pink, give me Christina Aguilera. Yes, well, and like my little musical theater gay heart, you know, was just all about it. And oh, you want to talk about crushes? Fucking you and McGregor. And well, the voice uh, of an real. angel. He's uh, so hot. He's so hot. Um, sorry about it. But sorry, we got we're going on a lot of tangents today. But I, I don't Boy care. Tangents. It's our pot. It's our yeah. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> as as Trixie and Katya like to say, it's because uh, because it's our show and not yours. <laughs> but Nicole Kidman coming off of Moulin Rouge had a lot of hard time with the dark themes in this film. And like r- during rehearsals, like full on, like tried to quit and tried to get him to, uh, to recast the role. Yes. Yeah, so he originally wanted Emily Watson for the role of grace, but you know, Jodie Foster was also considered, but you know, she ultimately landed it and she, she kills it. I think in this, in this film, not just mm. kills it, but kills her the kids. kids yeah but she was also instrumental as i mentioned you know tom cruise was an executive producer nicole kidman and tom cruise uh were instrumental for hiring eric sykes as edmund tuttle so they mm-hmm. both were really really impressed with his theater work uh and he was in a play called kafka's dick which is can't hilarious. wait to hear about it i uh, but yeah, and then he was also in turn, you know, a big fan of Nicole Kidman. Now, so obviously we deal with a lot of candlelight in this film. And every time, you know, in movies when people light up candles and, and then all like, of a sudden it's like fucking it's, like a like, rave. Right. Like, like, like a like sunlight <laughs> was just fucking let in. It drives me crazy. Someone has like a Bic lighter and the whole room is illuminated. Drives yeah. me fucking crazy. I think it's dumb. Well, for this film, Aminabar wanted to play with shadows. So that's a very dark film. Some of the scenes, some of the scenes are actually lit by candles. Hmm. Yeah, I can tell. I, some scenes are like, okay, they're backlit because they need some things, but others are like, yeah, that's pretty obvious. Like it's lit by candles. 
Totally. Uh, the film was nominated for 15 Goya Awards and actually won in eight categories. Nicole Kidman also won a Golden Globe. I, I think she won a BAFTA. Someone won a BAFTA. I think or I, I, I think Amenabar won a BAFTA, mm. but I did really, really well. Yeah. Now, later, and we'll get to this plot point, but there's you know the major plot point of the pictures of dead people. Now, Mm -hmm. this is true. People did photograph them, but they did not photograph them for the reasons they came up with that theory all on their own. In the film, they say to, you know, it takes pictures of them, dead people, so that their souls will live on forever. The real reason people took pictures was because photographs were so rare back then that they wanted an opportunity for them to have some sort of photo. So they would usually be, you know, propped up or laying down and just look like they were sleeping. They yeah. did that not nothing to do with their souls and more so that their memory can live on and uh you know well, through, through the photographs. I I can imagine with people being so um so superstitious at this time that I can imagine people would probably be afraid of take to take a picture of someone that's not that's dead because they're like it traps the soul. Might as well just take them while they're dead, so you can just remember what they look like. I mean, they're fucking hella dead, but well, yeah, and it kind of threw me for a loop because you would think like you know pervasive Christianity they would like the whole soul aspect and like bringing in a camera which isn't in the Bible. Like you would think that there would be some yeah. fringe that was like i don't know that's not at all it no. comes to mind just because you know religion is a huge theme through, through very this. much yeah all right cool well let's talk about some of the characters i want to group these people in together just because it's kind of easier to talk about them as a unit um bertha edmund and lydia our mm-hmm. three servants. Obviously, we get much more time with Bertha. I fucking loved her just because, like, I wanted her to be <laughs> like my nanny. Like, she just seems so warm, and you can tell she has that old school theater presence. It's so- yeah, you can see that. She, uh, what I liked about Bertha is she did give a sense of warmth and kindness, but also like stern and like don't fuck with me, fellas. Like uh, she has that. The, the actress um, does a really good job. I, this movie, I, I will say, this is a great film. And I'll, it hits on so many parts. It's not a perfect film, but it hits on so many parts. And, like, you know, the casting is is wonderful. Yeah. I And when we get to it, because I don't want to spoil it just yet, but she has one of the, like, it's almost funny, mm-hmm. badass moments. <laughs> like, it's up there with, like, um, when Molly uh, Weasley call like kills Be- Bellatrix Lestrange, and she's <laughs> like, "Like you killed my son, bitch," or something like that. It's like it's kind of up there w- with that. If a fun little line, but I I really really liked her, and I think that I, I love that you use the term warm because she, she's a ghost. Yeah, and I really really liked that. Uh, you know. And then there, because there is something haunting in the background. She slow. She knows when to let the creepiness kind of seep out a little bit, then rein it back in and be like a, a warming, but not to where you. I don't. I wish I could remember when I w- before I knew the twist. I didn't ever feel like she was dangerous. 
I don't think I ever felt like, but I think like we're supposed to kind of later on, obviously they really set it up. Like when you, you see that they're hiding the tombstones yeah. that they're doing something nefarious, but even then there's still a sense of it hasn't totally turned on them yet. No, I, I remember watching it and I, I think the prevailing like pervasive like idea is they're the ghosts and they're just trying to hide that they're ghosts. Like, I think that's kind of the main thing that people might think is happening. Um, When I like the first watch for sure, Um, because, you know, they are being a little suspicious and then they, they, you know, they didn't cast like, you know, the woman who played fucking, you know, friend Drescher's mom and the nanny like they they yeah. cast someone who has a very serious face who you can see like warmth but also see a lot of sternness and be like i don't know what to think of this person just yet totally. right and so um she seems honest but she seems like she's hiding something at the same time which is kind of hard to pull off and i think she does a really good job with that um mr tuttle edmund tuttle he uh just seems a little bit of like a low like a aloof and like a big lug and just like mm, okay i'm just like doing my stuff yeah um you know you can tell that bertha is like she calls the shots and the other two are just kind of there yeah. right to, to like help support whatever it is she needs and you know they play lydia very you know shy and just like kind of very mousy and timid there's not much to say oh my god <laughs> Well, I, I want to say something about the choice of making Lydia mute is interesting. Um, it does it doesn't seem like it would be something that they would choose in a movie. It's in an interesting choice. It seems like it, it seems like they're trying to like this movie in that choice and a few other things, they're calling back onto movies from the 40s. Because in movies from the 40s, they would do this person, like, someone is a mute was a big thing, right? Like, now we don't really hear about that or see without it being like they're deaf or that they have something. So there's something about a disability going on here with Lydia. Um, And then, you know, we we find out later, it's just like the, it's like PTSD, like the shock. And she's just like, I'm dealing with this. Yeah. And I, I felt like that payoff was like a little bit. Like yeah. it, 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 it didn't really work for me. I wanted it, it to be something like she was murdered and the guy cut out her tongue, or See, I wanted it to be yeah. something, something like that. The uh, because it's it's very powerful, and the actress does a great job, even yeah. though she's only on screen. And but I wanted, you know, the person with the disability to not totally just be a background character. And I wanted them to have something a little bit more pivotal to the plot. And so for that, like that was one of the like kind of dings for me is I wanted a a heavier, I wanted more gravitas to be able to, you know, do her character more justice. Uh, But again, it's using, you know, someone with, with a disability as a prop. Exactly. Right. She, I, I I agree with you. I think it would have been much more compelling if it would have been like um, 
their old owner, not owner. Oh my god, their old Matt boss like killed them and like cut cut out Lydia's tongue, and like that's it. Because then it would make more sense of what's going on. But like the emotional trauma of being dead caused her just to never talk again. I was like, okay. But then why isn't anyone else like having emotional trauma about it, or at least that we're seeing it? But totally, whatever. It just seemed like an. A, whatever choice and like you're right the payoff just didn't go anywhere i like the character i think you need the character but Mm -hmm. they just didn't write her as strong as they did the other ones totally all right little nicholas i (laughs) little 40 year old yeah the little worried 45 year old man uh i found him really adorable i actually like nicholas i like these kids they're uh, Anne is a bit of a bitch but like it's great right like she's fine nicholas is you know he's constantly like his furrowed brown he's constantly with his little like pointy features for a child he's like me fibber you're a fibber which i'm gonna like be a little bit of an an apologist (laughs) throughout this episode uh and and i totally agree with you (laughs) she's a bitch but i would be so fucking annoyed too if the only person i'm like stuck with for life is constantly like me 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 me." like i probably would be like will you shut the fuck up well (laughs) what it is is she's too smart for that like Okay, Nicholas is adorable. He's cute. He's, you know, the he's like the innocent one out of the two. And he he's like the supernatural foil to Anne's fearlessness of yes. all these things, right? So so we, we need to see it. Anne isn't afraid of it. She's just like, whatever. We need to see that there's high stakes. So we need to see someone get scared. And that's Nicholas. But let's talk totally. about Anne. Because I think Anne is a really, really fascinating character. She's a bitch, I, but I'm she, with you. I love her. And I think that she, what I love about her is she has a very modern way of thinking. And I love that she challenges, uh, you know, she challenges authority, but but challenges authority with questions. Like I, you know, and she has her own opinions. Like Anne, Anne were to grow up, Anne would be a fucking CEO, like or or a research scientist. Or you know who Anne would be? She would be Laura Dern's character in Dirty and Big Little Lies or Little Big Lies. <laughs> That's Big Anne, and we love we love Laura Dern's character in Big Little Lies. I know. I and, and the actress does does a great job, but oh, I yeah. just love how like because there's this huge aspect of Christianity, and she's the one questioning it, and she's bringing the right kind of questions into it. You know, I don't she's know if smart. I, I I don't know if I necessarily identify as a Christian anymore, but when I definitely did identify as a Christian, I said almost word for word some of the stuff that you know she said about like you know like i didn't believe in the holy trinity i didn't take the bible as you know for lack of a better word as gospel like Mm -hmm. like, it's not a literal text that part really resonated with me where she's like you know i read it from these books I, i i read other things from these books but mom only lets me believe in what we yeah. read in the bible which is still a conversation that's happening today with all the book bands a hundred percent she you know she's fascinating because like you have to look at her in how she fits into this world and grace is such a big part of this world right so Anne is the one 
who challenges Grace's belief systems up front to her face at all times. So Grace has these very strong beliefs, you know, in the Bible and what it means to be in the, like, like what, what, what the Bible says, what that means for daily life, even like what it means to be, you know, when she talks about like the war and who the baddies and who the goodies are. And they're like, uh, doesn't everyone think the other person's a baddie? Like she's so, a critical thinker. She she's thinks very, very much a critical thinker. And I think one of the things about this movie that makes grace essentially so unlikable is she doesn't allow that like like Anne represents the oppression that grace is trying to keep within her to keep like appearances right so as the supernatural thing is happening which will challenge grace's you know strongly held beliefs she has a daughter who's forcing her to like rationalize all these things so the daughter's like i just don't buy it but she's just a little girl and so she's easy to punish and so and and like one of one of the oh sorry you were gonna say something oh no, I, I was just gonna say you know it's a progressive child with a conservative parent and a conservative 100%. parent being like this is how it is this is how it's always been this is how it works yeah don't ask questions and she's like um I have a, a few questions I have a few questions <laughs> well one of the, one of my favorite things where I'm like I fucking love Anne like she's insufferable but like at the same time fuck yeah get it Anne is when grace is like asking her who's making that noise what is it have you who's here and she's like i already uh, what do you want me to tell you and she's like i want the truth i already told you the truth and you punished me for it you know so i don't know what to tell you i don't know what you want to hear i'm gonna tell you essentially she says i'll tell you whatever it is you want to hear i just don't know what you want to hear you tell me you want the truth i get in trouble for it you know I don't know what the fuck your problem is. And I was like, this is why I like her. Like she, she's actually really fucking She's cool. the only one who stands up to grace. Yeah. Yes. The employees um, are just that they're her employees. So there's a bit of like, like, especially back then can't really talk back to your bosses as much, but she's pr- like, Anne is pretty fucking fearless with it when it comes to grace and with everything. Yeah. And like, it does just also make me so sad, you know, knowing that, you know, she had this like, you know, this condition and she's limited, but she still finds ways to like keep her, you know, head about her, find ways to have fun. Yeah. By like torturing her little brother, which is (laughs) super funny. (laughs) I will say, I do have a question, like the idea of they're photosensitive. I was like, is this like a Munchausen by proxy issue or like... Did the kids really have that condition? So it's an actual disease. It is. It it's is. It's very rare. Zero, uh, zero derma pigmentosum. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I'm, yeah. I, but my question is: Do these kids actually have this disease, or is their mom just so like? Because she is wound up tight. She's all these things. Personally, like after, like I, I go back and forth, but I think I always settle in these kids do, which is what. I think so. That's another issue, but I think so because I think her I think I think so because their condition I think is what plays into her quote going mad. I think that's part of it as well. Like I think that having children that she that you know have, you know, special needs that is straining on her. 
And I think that that is one of the factors. And when we get to it about, you know, when she goes yeah. mad and everything, I, that's why I lean more towards that. Cause she doesn't yeah. seem like the type of person who wants as much attention. She's much more. I want us to stay in our family, stay here in this house, no radio. Like I don't get well, the sense that she's wanting the attention that well, typically comes with Munchausen by proxy. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I think Munchausen by proxy is the wrong word. I, I think it's less, I, I think it's, is she like malingering this disorder for her children to keep control and to make sense of the rest of the world, to keep their children, her children out of the world and then kind of convince herself of something. Ultimately, I think the kids probably do have it because they do talk about like, it doesn't hurt anymore. And they do talk about like the pain that they experienced. But mm-hmm. if that line were, weren't said, I would have been like, mm, I actually think she's, she's convinced herself. She, she reminds me, do you remember in um, American Horror Story? I, I guess we're talking about Grace now. Uh, do you remember in American Horror Story season one, um, there's a character played by, uh, like, I, for, I forgot her name, but she played, like, one of the witches in Coven. But um, she's, like, the lady that lived in the house in the 1920s. She really wanted a kid. And then she had the kid, and she was like, ugh, I hate the kid. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. They're, like, postpartum. Like- exactly. Grace reminds me of that character, right? Where it's like, you want this family, but you really just don't seem equipped to have it because you seem like you need full control. I I don't see her as the nicest person. I think that she is actually, you know, I, I understand that she's she feels isolated. She feels all these things. And that, that sucks for her. But at the end of the day, she's still kind of very unlikable. I mean, I think that there's definitely this aspect of control. And I think that she has, you know, now now we're on to grace, but it's because she talks about her family leaving and like, or she's like, I haven't heard from them. I, and it sounds like it was before, before mm-hmm. she died. They yeah, had not she said been like in a contact. couple of years. Yeah. And then when Charles shows up and she's like, you just wanted to leave me. You just wanted to leave me. So so now now you have me kind of going back and forth to, you know, I think that their disease does exist, but she is kind of like you like kind of using it for control because this way her children can't leave her. But I but there is part of me that also feels like she I, I think that all feeds into each other, and I do feel like uh, yeah, it's it's a strain on her. But what she is getting from it is she is still keeping control. But I don't like I don't think that she wants to be the head of the household. I think she wants to be kind of you know the matriarch while the husband the, takes control. The matriarch while the husband yeah. takes control, and I think and she wants a family. Like I would love like it's just a throwaway line, but like why doesn't her family talk to her anymore? And like her husband didn't have to go to war, but he chose to and to like get away from her. So, well, it it, it was my understanding that the family doesn't talk to her because the war started and the occupation, the Nazi occupation of Jersey. True. Okay. Yeah, I get, yeah, that makes more sense. Cause I guess when I first heard it, I read it as like, we like, we don't talk, but grace, I'm just going to say, she's a bitch. Like She's not nice. (laughs) I mean, she's a child killer. She kills her own children, like, obviously. But she's not nice. She's not sympathetic. We're supposed to, like, like, at the end, we're supposed to kind of see her... 
redemption arc. I'm sorry, you already fucking killed your kids. I get it. Moment of mania. Mental health. Yes, of course. But at the same time, even even before that, she's a bitch. The way she talks to uh, to Bertha, Edmund Tuttle, Lydia and like just like referring to her as the girl. And like, it's just she's so awful to everyone. And also, I'm just wondering, what the fuck is she doing all day? Like, there's a moment there where she like gives them orders and just stands there and kind of like crosses her arms. And you can tell she's like, she checks her watch. She's like, okay, now what? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? And she is so, so pious. And like, you can tell religion just like, like she she does what she was taught was the right thing to do and yeah. just wants to keep the status quo. Yeah, she she's a woman of privilege. Um and you know, when she has her conversation with her husband, it's very much like this this war had nothing to do with us. And it's like you lived in this island that was occupied by the enemy and you're still like mm, it had nothing to do with us. Like, wow. Okay, bitch, like that line always stood out. And then one of the things that like, you know, it is very frustrating is the whole how she constantly punishes Anne and she's like, she needs to stop being so stubborn. And like, you know, Bertha's like, or Mrs. Mills is like, "Hmm, I wonder where she gets that from. (laughs) Okay. Um, But yeah, yeah, she's such a Karen. She really is a Karen, 100%. If this wasn't today, like she would be like, you know, all up on next door, all up on all next door, NIMBY. <laughs> yeah, for real. Oh god, and just like calls customer support lines to just complain, and I, uh, I, yeah, I can't with her. But like, then it's also it's Nicole Kidman. Then there are moments, and she's so good at this because there are moments where mm-hmm. you feel sorry for her, and like, and there are times where she comes across. As a difficult but loving mother. So it's so weird. Like, like right. it's more towards the end. Like, because there is this in like innate, like, for, like, maternal like desire. Instinct. Yes. Like, it's just to protect her. She's very protective of her children in ways that, you know, are, yes, smothering, which I'm sure that the smothering thing was not unintentional. As oh, far as 100%. why they chose why they chose that, yeah, uh, as the way that she killed her kids, but but there is warm moments that she has with Nicholas, and then there are even warm moments with with Anne, and like it's one of those things where you can tell yeah. that like if they had lived and they grew up, they are always going to be living for those short little moments of when mom actually is proud of me, mom yeah. actually loves me. But she's most of the like, time, she's a bitch. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you know, she's, you know, if if they had lived, this would have been the family lineage that would have led to the family in Saltburn, right? Like, <laughs> this yeah. is who they are. So, for sure, for sure, this is just people. Uh, have we privilege. talked about salt? Have we talked about Saltburn on the podcast? Not I don't yet. Think but so. Have you seen it? You know what? We should do a fucking like special episode like a 30 minute episode on Salper. i loved it but yes. i oh my god and barry keegan um so fucking hot fuck I jacob lordy like i love like have have you watched the killing of a sacred deer yep 
So good. He's so, so good. good. In that too. Yeah. Yeah. Let's definitely do a, a, a little bonus app on, on, on Saltburn. I sounds <laughs> fucking loved it. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go into the breakdown of the plot. So we start the movie in the morning and we just hear a scream and it's Grace waking up. So she wakes herself up with this like terrifying scream. Then we just kind of go through the day and we meet Mr. Tuttle, Bertha and Lydia because they show up to the house and we see them like, okay, Mr. Tuttle, like, you know, get your hair in order and all that stuff. And like, let's go. They, they go to the house. That was a great, that was a great Bertha. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, and, you know, they're, they're going there for a job. And, you know, immediately we can tell something's wrong because Grace is like, oh, you're here about the ad. And they're like, what? Yeah, we're here for a job. So, you know, she gives them a tour and she's showing them around the house. And it's a big house. And, you know, she's talking about the um, the rules of the house, right? And the rules are whenever you leave a room, you got to lock the door, close and lock the door behind you at all times. You know, every Why door should be lock it. That made no sense to me. (laughs) And I, oh, no, no. She said it's important because we have to like contain the sunlight. Can't you contain the sun by closing it? Like, do you have to lock it? Because that's a safety hazard. Like, and this house is, they do a decent job of showing us the layout of the house. Like, you kind of get it, not, but then there are still hallways where I'm like, where Mm -hmm. the fuck in the house are they? One of the things I love, like, about like, the conjuring and like oh, James Wan does this really, really well is like showing us the layout of a house yeah, that's so great. that we know it. And I wish we had maybe gotten, we get enough of it, but this house is so fucking confusing and there are so many curtains, so many curtains. Um, and she tells them the other servants just up and left like a week or two ago. All of a sudden, one day they just weren't there and they never showed up, not even to collect their payment. So bitches be gone. They fucking peaced out, I guess. Well, the way she treats people, that's like at this point well, you believe it because they're like, I don't want to work for this, this. See you next Tuesday anymore. Also, they're like, wow, the whole family's dead. What the fuck do we do? that too i mean yes i mean that's what we learned but i'm saying at this point if you don't know the twist you're thinking in the first five minutes of being like this i see why they left yeah (laughs) let's fuck this rigid bitch right and so then you know she introduces them to the children she tells them curtains have to be closed at all times you cannot let the light in. you cannot contain the light we don't have any electricity because you know of the light and all that shit so you're like well they don't have electricity because the germans kept shutting it off and then they just learned to live without it. that's right they learned to live without it we we meet the kids and we find that they're photosensitive i love that she says that they're photosensitive they're photosensitive photosensitive i just love the way she says it i can hear it over i, I want to host a sex party and have that playing over and over again in the background um and so the kids are adorable and they're young and they you know they and, live in the dark and they did a better job of making nick or i call him nick nicholas look really pale like he has this and like i would have expected them to have different coloring I would have expected them to be a little bit more albino and like really, really, really pale. Like, yeah. like because they're not even like exposed to like electric, li- like any sort of like, like to light nothing. is 
like more I would imagine candle. they would be much, much more pale, but they, they are adorable. But the looks on their faces when they first walk in are so telling of who they are as a character. It's kind of yeah. like the confused, like tired little old man. And then Anne's just like, uh-huh. Next question. She Very goes, and, and oh. who are these bitches and thank oh. you. Here's another question I have for you. So uh. she, when she goes into the room again, she unlocks it. They don't have like candles, like, mm-hmm. or they don't have electricity because they can't have light. What happens in the middle of the night if they need to go to the bathroom or they need to get up and do so? Or do they have to lay in bed and wait to get up out of bed until their mother comes in every fucking morning? Like, what? Like, do they, and then they just sit there and wait in the dark? Like, I just had a lot of like, like, who? What the fuck? <laughs> That's what. And I was like, why don't you just have them sleep during the day and move around during the night? I don't know. But I just like, you know me, I get stuck in my head on like small little like logistics. Yeah. But I'm just like a lot of questions like because they obviously like did these kids already know how to light a match? Can they light a match? Like, it's- yeah, well, and and also the other thing she she does tell them they can't have anything more than uh like a candle and anything more than that. And it their allergy starts to take off right and so like i'm like fuck and also here's my question they've been dead for a couple weeks do ghosts use the bathroom i like i can imagine Anne being like hey mom like love you why haven't we taken a shit in like two weeks i I mean they kind of allude to that i think that there's a little bit of like suspension of disbelief uh because yeah because they're also, we never actually see them eating, but they're te- but they're having meals together. So where is that food going? Where's that food coming goes, from? Yes, and like where where is it coming? And so that's kind of where like I get the sense of like yeah, they're probably not going to the bathroom, but I don't even know if they're registering that they're yeah. not. I mean. There's a few other things that, that happen later that I want to make jokes about, but I about things that they do that I'm like, oh, that yeah. would be interesting. Like, are ghosts doing this? But anyway. Well, and and we find out later. So one of the times we're like, okay, there's something going on here. We find out, um, I, I think like the next day, you know, um, Grace brings in Bertha. Or I call her Bertha because she tells the kids like, yes, I'm Mrs. Mills, but you can call me Bertha. Um, she tells her like, hey. Okay, here's the deal. Like, the fucking postman didn't show up. The card is still there. What the fuck are you doing here? Who the fuck are you? And, you know, uh, Mrs. Mills essentially tells you that they used to work in the house long before. And they had such fond memories. And, you know, houses like this are so big. They always need some extra help. So we were just wondering. So they show up just to see. And that suffices. She's like, oh, okay. Okay. I mean, it's the like, 40s. They're not really doing background checks and stuff like yeah. that. And it's a, I mean, it's a plausible story. It is. It's a plausible story, but it tells us something. The audience were like, hmm, something's happening. So one of the, you know, one of the interesting things, you know, we were talking a lot about this religious, you know, upbringing. And we see that Grace is very strict with them. And she's like teaching the kids their lessons, right? And their lessons are all about fucking the Bible. So they're reading the story of like, I don't know, 
Justin and Kelly. Let's say I, I justice. It's justice, and I can't remember the other person's name, but it's these two children. Job. Job? I don't know. I don't think it's that, but it's uh, Hank. Justice and Hank <laughs> from the Bible. Whatever. It's two kids who are, uh, you know, beheaded. killed by Roman, beheaded by Romans because they refuse to deny Christ, and Anne is like full on laughing. She's like, "These idiots! Why don't they just so la- dumb. these?" dumbasses why didn't they just lie to the romans and grace does not like that answer at all no and she has to like think about it and she's like well blah 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 and she's like but i'm not denying christ in my heart i'm just trying to get out of dying yeah and then they go into the hell and that's what i find really fascinating is this discussion of hell right and she's like well you know hell you know there's purgatory for ch- where children go who are damned and then there's like the thieves and then the people who are damned like there's like these four i think they say like four hells and the kids like yeah. say it which i so, thought was really fascinating because yeah talk about it later so they talk about four different hells there's um the bosom of abraham which i didn't learn about in catholic school i don't know what it is but basically that's like what we would I think that's like heaven because it's supposed to be like a place of comfort. Then there's like uh, limbo. Don't remember what the other one was, but then there's she's purgatory like purgatory is pur- another one. Yeah, purgatory. And then the children's limbo is hell. That's like because she's like it's at the center of the earth and it's very very hot and you're there for eternity. And I'm like, wait, yeah, but she that's tells the her. only hell that you really well, listed. And then, yeah, they do mention one, I think, where it's like where the damned go, like bad people and children's. Okay, yeah. Children's hell is purgatory and it's in, you know, she talks about that. So you're like, oh, shit. And so the kids are like, okay, whatever. And then they talk about the things that they don't believe, right? Like, I don't believe the Holy Spirit is a dove. (laughs) She doesn't talk about it then. She talks about it. She does. She never says any of that to Grace. She tells Bertha that later. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, you know, and then, you know, she, Grace is like, all right, well, enough of this. I'm going to separate you two. You go here, you stay here, and you read. We find out that, you know, Nicholas is a little scared, but he's fine. And, you know, they, she just separates them. But as she separates them, she's kind of walking through. This is at night. She hears like a child crying. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Oh my God, the children, Nicholas. And she like runs and Nicholas is like, what? She runs throughout this house like nobody's business. Half of this movie is her running through the house. <laughs> oh, 100%. Um, and so, she, you know, Nicholas is like, no, I was just reading what you told me to read. Like, I'm here. And then she's like, oh my God, Anne. And she like runs to Anne and Anne's like, mm, the no, fuck? Yeah, what the fuck? Don't know what you're talking about. Don't fucking care. And then Anne tells her, like, oh, it's a little boy. And she's like, uh, no. And she gets, like, really upset. And we hear that Anne makes up these stories. That Anne has this vibrant imagination. Um, And and the funny thing is, like, like, like you said, Anne is, like, totally telling the truth. But also, Anne just, like, casually is just like, oh, yeah, it's the ghost living in the house. Like, wait, what? Or, like, Anne is not afraid of Victor. She never like she gets afraid later, but she's very nonplussed by, by the yeah. fact that there's a little boy named Victor in the house. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, we we 
there's this interesting scene where she, you know, it's it's Anne and Nicholas are talking about it. And I, I do think it's kind of interesting because it like, this is the type of movie that going back and doing a second view is much more interesting than the first one because you want to find all of the Easter eggs and all of the hints and everything. So one of them is this conversation that they're having at the dinner table, right? And, uh, you know, you know, we this is when we learned cowardly custard. <laughs> cowardly custard. Cowardly custard. I want to get that tattooed on me. Um, and so she's talking to her brother and, you know, he's like talking. She's saying about Victor, you know, like, yeah, it's a little boy. His name is Victim. We, you know, you're going to, you know, he, he lives in this house and, you know, it's like scaring Nicholas. And Nicholas asks if he's a ghost and he's like, he's not a ghost. I already told you what ghosts are like. Ghosts <laughs> walk around in sheets and they're, they have chains tied to them, which is, you know, she has this very distinct idea of what ghosts are. Very, a, very a Christmas Carol, very which I much think. Right. Which I think would make sense that that's probably the book she's referring to because it, we do get a sense that she's a pretty she well says, read like yeah. girl, and she she says you know I read it and so he's not they just like he just hangs out in this house and his family's here, but and, she gets in so much fucking trouble for saying this. She gets in so much fucking trouble. There are like three incidences in which. Grace is now like dealing with something, right? So Grace has been exposed to Anne talking about Victor. Grace is like, there's something going on here. Like my kids are, you know, like these people just came in and like, okay, like my world is upended. My husband's out here and this fucking fog won't go away. Carl the fog. She lives in fucking, you know, the outer in sunset. Twin Peaks. In Twin <laughs> yeah, Peaks. Twin Peaks. <laughs> fucking Daily City. She lives in Daily City, all right? <laughs> So she's sewing and it's like interesting. She's sewing and she's like, she's talking to Bertha and she, you know, she's like, oh, she gets her migraines and she's like, oh, these fucking white Lydia, bitches and their goddamn migraines. Migraines, right? She's like, can you tell Lydia to please stop it? Like, it it doesn't take a lot. Like, why is she running up and upstairs, like making all this noise and getting a migraine? I just want to be able to sew in peace. And Bertha's like, okay. And we see her like leave. And then we just hear the sounds and the running and the thuds. And we see it shake the chandelier. I like this, you know, watching it. Like it's very trite, but I love it. Cause she's like, oh, that girl. And she like throws down the fucking veil that she's making her daughter stands up. Cause she's going to give her a good talking to. And she looks out the window and it's Bertha and Lydia talking. And Lydia's like, I don't know what the fuck this bitch is talking about. Um, and then we hear that, and then we know something is up, and she's freaked out. She's freaked. She freaks the fuck out. Yeah, and Grace is in trouble. So she's reading, you know, she's reading Bible verses on the stairs, and she comes in, and she's like, "Who was that?" And she's like, "Anne is in trouble." Anne, sorry, Anne is in trouble, and and you know, Anne's like, "I don't know what the fuck to tell you. I already told you, and you got mad at me. Like, I don't know, but they're over there. They're in that room." And yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's this chase. So one of the things that she does a lot is forces everyone to find people and she chases these ghosts around the house. It is really creepy, though, because Anne, when she finally is like, OK, I'm just going to tell her she's like, they're there and over there and over there. And it's it's super unsettling. Yeah. And because she says they're in the uh, not the junk, the junk room, the so, junk so, room. Yeah, the, the junk room. And we see and there's light coming out of all the doors. That means something is moving in there and like we were like that's really effective and i love this film because there's a lot of that in this film 
And as she's going through, she's like trying to figure out what it is, ripping things off and all that shit. She has the shotgun at this point, right? Is it the no. scene? Because there's a scene where she opens up and she loads the shotgun and she she looks at it and she pauses for a second. Can't remember where where in the movie that is. It's before she, the piano. It's because the piano one is next and it's the piano scene. Okay, yeah. And so, yeah, like that is what happens. And um, she like sees the reflection in the mirror as the door closes and she's like, what the fuck? So she's kind of like already now something is happening. She thinks... Nazis have gone, gone, like Come. gotten into the house. Anne already, t- or sorry, yeah, Anne already told Grace there's a thing happening. Like, better fucking believe it. And so she draws a picture of Victor, his <gasps> mom, his dad, and the scary old lady. She asks what those numbers are, and she's like, the amount of times I've seen them. So she's seen Victor five times, the dad too, and all that stuff, but she's seen the old lady 14 times. It is so scary. simple and so scary, Like just seeing the number 14. Like, yeah. then you're just like, oh, oh, shit. And she says, Victor says she's a witch. <laughs> Grace, don't fuck with that witchcraft in her house. <laughs> no. Oh, actually, no, sorry. I I messed up. Before Grace is in trouble, something interesting happens. Anna's in trouble. Before Anne, god damn it. Before Anne gets in trouble, you know, so before she's reading the things, before there's the running up and down the stairs, uh, or upstairs, there's a scene where the brother and the sister, Anne and Nicholas, are in bed together. Mm-hmm. And Anne is like, oh, Nicholas, look. Victor opened the curtains and it's at night and you hear him like scatter or like, like flutter across the floor. And Nicholas is like, stop playing Feba. You're a liar. And she's like, no. And he's like, you did it. You did it. And she's like, no, it's fucking Victor. Victor. And she goes, well, someone fucking listen to Anne. (laughs) Yeah. She goes, he's right over there. And we just see a shot of the boy the whole entire time, like he's freaked out and he's looking in the dark and we're all looking in the dark, like, oh my God, what do we see? And then the boy, like Nicholas gets scared and he puts a blanket over his head and he's like lying to the side and she's like, Victor, <laughs> and Victor, tell my, say something so my stupid brother can know that you're here. And then we hear a little boy's voice and it is kind of terrifying because he's like, no. Nah. Yeah. And she and she's arguing with him. She's he's like, "This is my house, and you don't even know my mother." And he's like, "You don't know my parents." And he's like, "It is really scary." Is and really he tells creepy. her, "Stop making that voice." And she's like, "Victor, touch him, so my brother knows you're here." And we see someone touch little boy's face, and he, that that's what gets Anne in trouble because she says that it's Victor. She's like, "It's all these people, right?" So Grace is looking around, and she's. Uh, you know, looking through like the attic or the chunk room. And mm-hmm. then she finds this photo album and the first few photos are normal, but then she sees the rest of these pictures that she is like, you know, why are these people sleeping? Miss Mills, Bertha um, B, she comes in and is like, Oh no, that's actually, these people are dead. And that people used to take pictures of them, uh, of, corpses so that their souls would live forever in the yeah. photographs but we've we obviously debunked that earlier in this uh yes. but she's like oh that's macabre get it out of the house big b does that and then we hear the piano playing so one of the things that we learned at the beginning was 
you cannot play the piano. It causes a racket and she gets migraines. So as she's giving them the tour and going through the thing, the list, that's what she says. No fucking piano. So now she says something super fucking weird too. She's like, we value silence in the house. I yeah. would run okay, a fucking way. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's For too real. much. I, I don't know about you, Pablo. I have such a hard time like with like, pure genuine sight unless i'm like reading something i don't know if it's because of like childhood trauma i don't know what it would be but i like can't have the tv off or not listening to something or something going on i need some sort of stimulation going on for real i'm the same way i'm also way too gassy to live in like a silent house like you ain't getting no silence (laughs) sorry about it she the, your your ghost is just farting all over the place and they're hearing these phantom like, farts <laughs> sorry about it it happens <laughs> he's the tooting exactly. ghost it's the tutor oh my god it's a tutor <laughs> um god but yeah she hears the piano playing and she's like what the fuck and she goes checks it out it's nothing this is when she gets the gun because she's like, there's already someone yes. in the fucking house. She gets the gun. And you're right. She looks at it. Because she's just like, kind of like a very small, very not just a quick she of like acknowledges huh. it. It's just well, I don't think in that moment, like it, it's like a huh, like something like almost like deja vu kind of for sure. Um, And then she like goes to try to figure out what it is. And, and she takes Bertha with her and they like slam you, you, you know, like she she shuts it and she's like oh my god she's freaked out she grabs she calls for mrs mills mrs mills comes down and they, they go back in because they hear it again and then they enter the room and the like piano's back open and that's when she's like everyone go hunting go figure this thing out and as they're going to figure it out she's like playing with the door because she she's like something is up with this door and it fucking slams on her Right, because she's like trying to figure it out. She's like, "What the fuck is going yeah, on here?" And it's like, the "Bam!" Right, breaking, and yeah. I thought that was great. And she's like on the floor, and it's terrifying, right? But so, she also, and it's weird because you see her, and at times it's a little unnatural where like she starts to believe, and then she kind of backs off believing, yeah. starts to believe, backs off yeah. to believe. Also, she fucking loves to blame everyone else. We didn't talk about this because it was it was earlier in the movie, but, you know, when she goes in with Anne, and Anne's, like, in the piano room, like, studying, and she's, like, getting mad at her about, like, crying and everything, and then she sees that the door is slightly ajar, and then cut she to, she's yelling the and she does this a couple of times where she yells at the staff that it's just so abusive. And yeah. it's just like, I hate this character so much. I love Nicole Kidman. And like, that's the only way that I feel like this character is palatable is because it's mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman. And there's something about her where there is some sort of humanity still in her. But yeah. just the way that she fucking treats people is just awful she's so condescending so demeaning so demanding and she's like how dare you infer that i'm i'm the one one who left the door open bitch and they're like shut up "Uh, you leave it open a lot like the next scene you're like running in panic and you're leaving doors open and you're like "Ah, ah," flustered that you have to go back and close it so no no you didn't leave the door open but your husband left your ass I know, right? So that door is closed, bitch. <laughs> ain't no, uh, this is the 1940s. Ain't no one fucking marrying a divorced fucking woman. <laughs> she's such a bitch. Um, so the next day, she's like, 
you, you know, she's like talking to Mrs. Tuttle and she's like, no, fuck this. Or not, um, not Mrs. Tuttle. Uh, uh, Bertha. And she's like, fuck this. I can't do this. And so she's like afraid, right? And she had mentioned earlier that the priest doesn't come around anymore because the fog is too dense. And this time she's like, nope, I don't care. No one believes me. Like there's something wrong. I'm going and I'm fucking getting the priest. And they're like, you shouldn't go. This fog's really intense. And she's like, don't tell me what to do. You know, I, I, the priest got to tell me he's not coming. So she asks Mr. Tuttle to like, you know, go find the cemetery that was on the property and see if the family before had a son named Victor. And she like bolts out and she's walking through the woods and it's getting like thicker and thicker and thicker and pill. She can't see anything. It's just white fog. And who fucking comes sauntering in? The diva herself, her husband, confused as fuck. Looking confused as fuck, looking totally like PTSD from from the war. This bitch took some fucking Molly and is like, where the fuck am I? (laughs) Like, what? No, he took... no, but he took Molly like twelve hours ago. He's coming down from Molly, down. and he's just like, "Thank you." Uh, who am I? Where am I? And sometimes just... I bleed. <laughs> he says that, and I was like, "What?" It's such a sad moment because at this point, you kind of think like, "Okay, now he's back. We're gonna get more." You don't expect what's coming, and like, there's a little bit of like a, "Okay, we're introducing a new character." And, like, you kind of are excited for her and her kids that, you know, the father's back. And, like, you see her be a little lighter. Marginally. But you see her Marginal. be a little lighter. She's excited. Like, she's happy. She's excited when, that that he's there and everything. My favorite is, like, knowing the twist and everything is seeing Mrs. Mills' face like, who? What the fuck? Because <laughs> she's like, Mrs. Mills, it's my husband. And she's like, ah. <laughs> She's like, She's like why the why the fuck do you get to travel and I'm stuck at this fucking house? Why do you get to go places? I didn't know we yeah. could roam. <laughs> right. Well, but before the husband shows up, you know, we see Mr. Tuttle and Bertha talking, and she's like, Oh, she wants to leave, Mr. Tuttle. And he's like, Should we let them know? And she's like, No, she's not ready. Let's give him some time. And don't forget about that. And then he like throws leaves on what is obviously a gravestone, and we're like because she knew she knew that there were gravestones and she told Bertha, she was like, um, can you search around, see if you can find the gravestones? I want to know, you know, the names. I They told us that there were people buried. Yeah. And like one thing, like, wouldn't she have looked at the if they lived there? Like, wouldn't she? And they're not far away from the house. You would have think they would have read their names like but that's yeah but she probably there. just yeah that's neither here nor there she probably didn't pay much attention to them because she doesn't care um yeah so back at the house like all he wants to do is sleep he's weird as f- i mean he says hi to the kids and they're excited and i have a theory i have a theory about something tell me your theory so Anne and nicholas give him a hug and he's happy to see them and Anne asks him did you kill anyone And he just blankly stares off and says nothing. Do you think he was killed or do you think he killed himself? I think think he committed suicide. I think it's interesting. I I think so. I don't know if it's explicit. I think he more than likely died in war. But him killing himself 
would explain why she was never notified. No, maybe. I don't know. I I'm not closed off to it. I I I, I well, I it would explain why it, but... it would explain why he never left and he's just a wandering soul like based off of this idea of hell and that Well, that it, he's also killed people. Yes, yeah. under the guise of war, but he has killed people. But so does I that think... does that count to get him? Or one of the other things though, Pablo, that like this movie doesn't answer it doesn't answer if there is a heaven or a hell or if it's just ghost because the yeah. children are in the same place where she is and she committed both murder and suicide, which yep. is not going to get you into heaven. It will stick you in purgatory and the children like, are they in purgatory? Are they in children's limbo? Like they're still in the house. Also, exactly. The we three don't really servants. Know. We don't know what the rules are, which I'm not exactly. mad about, but we don't know what no. the rules are. I personally think based off of that care, that question and how he's so like traumatized, I think he committed suicide. I, I can see that. Headcanon for me, he committed suicide and which is why he's constantly wandering, trying to find his home, right? Like he's, he's just wandering. He's, he's not haunting the battleground that he was at. He's just wandering this, this, blank place trying to find home and he's probably been wandering it for over a year because she hasn't heard from him for over a year and so and like like, but then there's also like why show up now and then why leave when we get to the scene later we'll talk uh, i I I don't think theories on why he leaves but it like makes me think of like did he get permission from someone to make an appearance like the mom at the end of casper like gets to appear for 15 minutes oh yeah (laughs) like i don't like is it kind of like he was given leave yeah (laughs) i don't think i actually don't think he was given leave i think she found him and that's it. I think she, she just came across him and brought him back. He would have been stuck just in that white space at all times. Right. But she found him and brought him back. So that's what I think happened. No, I do like your theory of, of him, of him committing suicide. Yeah. I think that's an interesting one. Um, You know, I I think that's how he died. So I, I think ultimately like whether he killed other people or not, if if he killed himself, whether he killed other people or not, is less important. It's he committed suicide. Um, and so he's just acting weird. And that's starting to weigh on Grace. She's like, fuck, like I thought he was here for me and he's not. He doesn't want to eat. He's not coming down. All he wants to do is just fucking sleep all day. Um, she's sleeping on this ass. He's sleeping on this ass. He better wake up and give me some of that duke. That's what she needs. She needs a good fucking pounding. And as a ghost, like, I wonder, well, I wonder, like, how much does he know? Because he asks, like, did you take care of them? Like, how are they? But then obviously, you know, he later talks to Anne. And I think, yeah, like, but she's, but she's definitely, you know, concerned. Again, we're at another dinner table scene where they have they're cutting no up eating. food but we never see anyone actually put food in their mouth the only time we see someone put food in their mouth is earlier on grace has a bowl that she's, she's like sipping on that's yeah. the only time we get any sort of like ingestion exactly. of food so this leads to one of the most famous scenes in horror history especially in this film there's like two but especially this one is the communion dress scene right so mm-hmm. being excited like Anne 
is you know getting her communion dress and grace is making it for her and she's trying it on and says something really interesting she says it in a way that isn't nice she's like i look like a bride and grace yeah. is like yeah grace is like kind of happy and Anne's like uh-uh i ain't fucking but that's married. what communion Sick. communion dresses look like that though like well, yeah i remember when i had my first communion and seeing all of the other little girls and thinking they all look like brides yeah oh yeah 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 for sure um and so she you know she you know she's like whatever and Anne's like okay we have to take or grace is like i have to take it off and just have some alterations and Anne is like no i want to play in it and grace is like okay just don't get it dirty and she's like i promise can i, I move can yeah. i just say hot take ugly dress Oh, yeah, it's ugly. <laughs> Hideous. But yeah. obviously she's a good seamstress. And this is the one moment where like we see a little bit of lo- like a glimmer of like love for Anne in Grace where she's like, "Okay, yes, yeah, so you can stay in it, but don't sit down." And as she's walking out the door, yeah, and as she's walking out the door, she looks back and you can see there's a a pride and like a she's beautiful like oh yeah kind of kind of sweet moment that oh, yeah. is about to be flipped on its head flipped on its head right and so she leaves but as she returns she opens the door like there's something peculiar about Anne sitting down and she well because sees- she's playing with those creepy ass marionettes at what point in time were those considered not creepy like when you're a kid who can't <laughs> leave the house because of sunlight i'm sure everything is fun right <laughs> And she's like doing her thing, and we see that it's like this old arthritic hand, this old lady's arthritic hand, and what's the matter? Where is my daughter? <laughs> what have you done with my daughter? Are you mad? I am your daughter. <gasps> You're not my daughter. It's so iconic. It's so iconic, and yeah. I but I do. Scary Movie three or four ruined it for me because <laughs> they do that scene, and then when they unveil, <laughs> it's Michael Michael Jackson, Jackson. and I he's know. like, "Where is my daughter? Are you mad? I am your daughter. No, you're not." It is so good. It's scary movies, fucking brilliant, brilliant. But, I tell you, brilliant. But it's so terrifying because we, as an audience, we see an old ass lady there, and and the lip syncing, like the dubbing, is perfect and spot on. Well, and it helps that it's a veil, right? Because it can like cover what doesn't need. Like it's perfect. It's really well done. What a yeah, really well. And then, are you mad? I am. <laughs> and so she attacks her. She like slaps her and then chokes her. She she's beats like, the shit out of her. She's like, she's like getting like getting I was like dirty. She's ripping off. This the is veil. like bad girls club level <laughs> yeah. fight. Like this like, is for real. How pulling her shit. hair? Grace takes out her earrings. Did you see that? That's in the deleted scenes. <laughs> she deleted. takes out her earrings. She rolls up. She calls. <laughs> she calls her friends Pookie and M. She's like, "We're gonna beat this bitch up. You better get the fuck over here." <laughs> don't run it for me bitch don't run for me bitch where's my kid and then it just and she like throws her and she's like you know like you know fucking crawls up to the dresser and it's you know it is Anne, and she's crying and grace is like 
And her oh, dress is all ripped and everything. Ripped. And Grace is like, what the fuck? And she freaks out and Anne is like, you're mad. You're mad. And she's like pissed off. And she like yeah. runs off and tells her dad. She like goes. She's like, I'm telling my dad. And she's like, you're wicked. You're wicked. It's you're, so, oh, yeah. Because it's, Bertha comes in. She's like, what the fuck is going on here? And she like, she tells her she's wicked. And she goes and tells her dad. Right. And she tells her dad At which everything. point I feel like Bertha, if she were alive, she'd be like, um, Grace, so guess what? I'm I politely. This is my two weeks notice. <laughs> I, here's my letter of resignation. I'll be back in two weeks because I'm, I'm stuck here as a ghost. But I'll be back. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> but she like, yeah, she goes in, and then we have this like, you can tell that she feels guilty, and then Charles is there looking all, all kinds Nothing's of sardonic, changed. same and, as always, but. He's like, great. He's like, Anne told me. And Grace is like, I, about the dress, like, I didn't, I swore it was someone else. And he's like, again, we're getting references to that night or that day. When she goes mad. Yeah. And then we get this really, really good scene between the two of them where we really get the kind of curtain pulled back on Grace of her being like, you left me. And she's right to be mad. Like, there's obviously an issue there. He went off to war and he didn't have to go. Yeah. She's like, you didn't have to. You left us. Like, we're all alone. We're isolated. I can't do this. I need you. And like that's a, she's like essentially pleading like what the fuck dude you didn't have to go no one was asking you to fucking go and he you know he pleads his case he's like you know there was Nazis and I didn't want to be told what to do blah 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 but she's like no fuck you like you have a family like you needed to think of us and you didn't um, yeah and and then he leaves well no one thing happened <laughs> you were talking about um, them going to the bathroom they fuck. Oh, yeah. They totally bump uglies. And that's what I'm just imagining, like, during a haunting of them, like, hearing the grunts and, like, people of, like, the inhabitants. Can you just imagine, like, hearing ghosts fuck? I told you about that, (laughs) that my experience with that, right? Like, in my old house, I woke up and (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, this house is fucking haunted. Because I kept hearing, like, bah, bah, uh, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm terrified. So I was, like, walking around the house being, like, hello, like... How did you die? Who are you? What do you want? And it just turned out it was my neighbors fucking really loud. And I was like, yes, oh, whoopsie. <laughs> I was like, get it, Murdering. girl. Get it. Murder. That Murder on pussy. that pussy. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they fuck. But he as, as eventually he just leaves. Like, he's done. And and he, there's something with him. I, I feel like he's realizing that he's dead. Because every, it's hard for everyone to, when they realize that they're dead. I think he knows. I, think he know, then I'm like, oh, he knows everyone is dead. His kids are dead. He is, he's dead. His wife is dead. The fucking servants are obviously dead. Well, because like, and we never really officially hear Anne say what happened. So like, there's yeah. part of me that's like, does like, Anne doesn't know that she's dead, but there's something there. And like, yeah, I like wish what does she gotten, remember? Yeah, I wish we had gotten more time with Charles and like maybe a little bit more like dialogue and like mm. because like because like I get the less is more thing. You know, I'm a big fan of less is more, but I just there are so many questions that like there but there are also questions that 
I have questions, but I don't know what my questions are, if that makes sense. Like, it's just there's yeah. not enough there. Does he know? Like, is he mad at Grace? Like, for, for what happened? Yeah. Or is he just totally, again, just focused on, like, I need to get out of here. I'll be back next time I want to ghost fuck. Like, yeah, for real. He ghosts um, her. He literally, <laughs> literally, <laughs> he traveled to her. She hosted him and then he ghosted her. There is nothing like waking up in the morning <laughs> when you think <laughs> someone stayed the night. <laughs> they sure didn't. But oh, it's yeah. also just as scary to wake up <laughs> in, the, in the morning and then be like, oh, my God, who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that yeah. happened that happened to me one time in college i like texted my um uh friend and we were going to rehearsal and she was like oh do you want me to pick you up i'd been laying on my side like facing my bedroom door where my bedside table was and i get my phone out and i'm texting her and then i like put the phone down and then i turn over and i see the creature that i had picked up oh <laughs> the night before and i and he was still asleep and i was like oh my god and i rolled back over and i texted her i was like i'm going to have to drive myself to rehearsal i'll explain why later <laughs> and i'm like hey <laughs> you got to go <laughs> i know i never i i always left i've always left and like i would text him like hey i i can't sleep if i'm not in my own bed so Bye. Yeah. Bye. Like, see ya. Like, I always left. And I, I I never wanted anyone to feel weird. So I would always just leave at, like, 3 in the morning. And I would, like, once I got home, I would just send a quick text. Like, hey, keep sleeping. I, I left because I just, I, I can't sleep up in my own bed. But I had a great time. Say bye. Like, I tried not yeah. to ghost. I would just fucking just have to leave. Yeah. Um. So the next day, the kids wake up and they're like, Ugh. and you're like, oh, there's a lot of light in here. And then the kids are like, the curtains! And they fucking freak out. And the curtains in the entire house have been taken down. Now, these, the amount of curtains that are throughout this entire house, we're talking hundreds of curtains. <laughs> like, we're talking, like, curtains, the curtains are gone in every single fucking room. And yeah. This, I'm like, are you an heir to the curtain factory? Like, what the fuck? It is very scary. And like it, the shots of the missing curtains, they're a little bit off kilter. Like when they zoom from one window to another, yeah. it reminded me a lot of the haunting. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of the like off center or the kind of like, it was like good. not no right it's, angles kind of. Yeah, it was. It meant to, it's meant to show chaos. Yeah, because that's what they're I, all experiencing. And the kids are screaming the entire time trying to hide from the light. And you're scared for the kids like a little bit. And it, it reminded me also of Interview with the Vampire. Mm, yeah, that's right. Where, because these kids effectively are little vampires. They are. And so she goes crazy. She like calls the servants up and she's like, you know, but they have a weird reaction. You know, they're like, hmm, I guess the curtains are gone. And like Mr. Tuttle comes in and he's like, huh. oh, yeah. <laughs> curtains you don't are gone. say. You don't Wonder say where they are. And she's like, what the fuck? And she's like really <laughs> weirded out. She's trying to get them. And she essentially fires them. She's like, give me your keys. Like, find all the she fucking pulls the gun on them again. Yeah. When you find them, leave. And they're like, no, 
we're not leaving. And that's when she pulls the gun on them. And she's like, you're fucking leaving now. Give me the keys. And they're like, here you go. And she's like, ah, and she's like freaking out. Right. And they leave. Right. And so she's like, you know, boarding up the room with the kids in it, trying to figure it all out. Right. Cause she's like freaking the fuck out that evening. Kids decide to run away. Cause Anne is like, I am fucking done with this. I'm going to go find my dad. Mom. Has, yeah. Mom has gone mad again. And what's Anne's game plan here? Because, like, her dad left 12 hours ago. (laughs) Yeah, she could probably catch up to him. She runs. That's what she's thinking. (laughs) But she full-on 80s, 90s rom-com climbs out her window. (laughs) Like, total Clarissa explains it all. And and then, so she runs down. She convinces Nicholas to, like, follow suit because he doesn't want to be alone in the room. And, yeah. Yeah. And the entire time that this is happening, uh, Grace is like going through every nook and cranny in the fucking house to figure out what the fuck, where are these curtains? Who are these people? And she finds, you know, like this is happening simultaneously, right? Like the kids find the gravestones and they're like, oh my God. And then the three servants all now dressed in black are coming towards the kids. And it's, you know, Nicholas is in between them and he's like, Mrs. Mills, help us. And, you know, Grace is like, or sorry, Anne is like, don't fucking talk to them. They're ghosts. And he's like not believing her, but he's like kind of weirded out. And they're trying to convince him it's all right, children. You know, it'll be all over soon. Like things are okay. And, you know, at the same time, Grace is going through um, the servant's room to like just ripping it apart. And she finds the photograph of the three of them dead. 1891. (laughs) But I'll say this. They were serving. I was like, okay, fucking ate at the cunt factory because what they were wearing was, mm. they found their fucking light. <laughs> they found their light. They found their light in death. Like, what? Go Annie. to the light and then te- snap a picture. It was great. I loved it. I, I was like, ooh. Get yeah, it. this, the, these last like 15 minutes of the movie are, are awesome. And like, yeah, it's, really it's very fast paced. Um, you know, Again, this is where we're seeing Grace's like maternal instincts come out. She's very worried about her children. She wants to go protect them. I, you know, so she's running after them. Yeah. And I, uh, with the gun, with the gun, she gets the kids inside. And this moment is probably my favorite moment in the movie. Grace okay. starts shooting at them. Because we've realized now, we've established that they're that they're ghosts, yeah. and in a triangle formation, <laughs> they are walking towards her. Don't come any closer! Don't move! Don't trouble yourself, man. Tuberculosis finished us off more than half a century ago. Yes, <laughs> and I'm just like you, badass bitch. She served. I was like, Slay Queen, like good job. It's like it's a badass like action movie. Like, like, and like (laughs) I don't know why. I just she like saunters up to her. And but then it comes super CGI as they're like coming through and like kind of like getting tighter as they're like staring through the doors. And she's like, get away from us. She's like freaking out. And they're like, Oh, it's not us you have to worry about. It's the visitors, and they've got your kids. And she's like, what the fuck? She's like, they're right. She's like, we're not the problem. The visitors are still there. 
Yeah. You need to fucking go deal with them and you better get to them before they get to your kids. And I think they got your kids. So she runs in and then that's when we see what's actually happening. It's, you know, modern time, 1940s, right? And they, there's a it's seance. A, it's supposed to be very, it's the same time period. So it's just yeah, very yeah, shortly yeah. thereafter. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a seance and the little, the old lady is like, you know, she's like talking to the girl, to, to the goat, to the kids. And then, you know, she's like, da, 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 and the guy, she's like writing something down. And then her assistant is reading it to everyone. So we find out the kids are dead. Everyone is dead. We see the mom who is the mom in Game of Thrones, who's mm-hmm. like, I'm done. I want to get the fuck out of here. Like, you, you know, we, we, we don't really Victor's know what happened. terrified. Yeah. Victor is terrified. I don't want to live in a house with the ghost of a woman who killed her kids and then killed herself. Like, I'm not doing this. This is terrifying. This is too much. Sell the house. We have to leave. And the husband is at first like, well, I don't know. And then he's like, okay, we'll do it. Because she's like very like, no, you're going to do this. Your son is terrified. We can't do this. So we're like, okay, they're they're dead. And and we hear who smothered her children and then shot herself. She so, lets us know. So that is one thing that a, a bit of a critique that I have. That bit of exposition that happens there, it's kind of like the audience, like just kind of beating the audience over the head being like okay make sure make sure you get this at this point like yeah versus i would have liked a little bit more of like maybe like a flashback or maybe something else a little bit more creative rather than her just sitting there and telling us and confirming kind of what we already know i would or i would have preferred for just that little part of the line to still maybe be even kept a little ambiguous of like we need to get out of this house this is not safe and then grace is explaining it to her children. And that's how we like, yeah. get that, get that moment. I, yeah. I, I just, it, it felt seemed a little so too heavy handed. Yeah. It felt a little too heavy handed. Um, it's not bad, but you know, especially not- if you have no idea what's happening, then you're like, Oh my God. Right. Because you know, like the way we find out is she started like, she's like, if you're dead children, the children start screaming, we're not dead. We're not dead. And grace picks up their, the paper and rips it. And then we see that, the paper is being ripped up with no one touching it. And these people are experiencing, these people are alive experiencing the ghosts. Which like, I wonder if that's, that dialogue was maybe added in like to really just be like, like maybe audiences weren't really getting, weren't really getting it. And so they're like, okay, let's just add something super explicit here. But it's, I think it would. I, I agree with you. I think it would have been a little bit stronger if Grace would have been like, "I just had the pillows, and then I saw that you weren't moving, and I pulled out the gun, and when I shot, I heard your laughter, and I felt really good." Because then, like, her death made her experience like the moment she dies, she experiences the children. That alive. yeah, exactly. Like, that that's that would have answered everything. Exactly. That it just wasn't necessary to kind of have both back to back to be like, exactly. hey, di- did you hear? She's a she's a <laughs> she committed infanticide. Yeah. Like, and it's, then suicide. So. And then like this is also like, even though I like this moment, it kind of makes sense why they're clinging to her. But, you know, and she is 
now the most maternal she's ever been and she's yeah. explaining to them you know what she's happened apologizing yeah and she's apologizing so like this is kind of her you know a little bit of a redemption arc which i'm like i don't know if i how i don't know how i feel about that like i don't know if i'm one way or the other but it is cool that like now she's like and this is where the whole thing i was saying earlier about charles and like did he commit suicide but is he in heaven why is he around why does he get to go because we don't have the strict rules of heaven and i think like she now doesn't know what her faith is obviously it's later but she now has doubts about her faith they don't know where they are kind of yeah she says i don't i don't know if there is if there is a limbo. Yeah. She has no idea. Cause the kids asked and she's like, I don't know. She finally now admits that she has no idea what's going on. And then, you know, the family leaves and, you know, we, we, we see the three of them in the mirror and Victor sees them and then they, they leave. Well, and the, the kids, the kids are like, it doesn't hurt anymore. Like, and yeah. they're running the around light doesn't in hurt the anymore. light. They're enjoying it. Yeah. They're, they're getting their tan on. Like, right. And know. she, you know, this is when she says, this is our house. We're never leaving. So you're like, okay, she's this house she, is ours. This she house needs is a purpose, ours. and her purpose is to be a fucking ghost. My question is, what happens if they tear the house down? She's not gonna let that happen. <laughs> yeah, but if they do, like, are they just haunting the property? What what if it turns into a brothel? Maybe the house just stands. Well, because they said, you know, or Bertha says, sometimes we'll notice them, sometimes we won't. Yeah. Cause like that's another thing, is like those curtains, like, you're telling me that the because there are certain things where they're like the curtains are open. Why are the curtains open? We're to believe that the um, you know, the new inhabitants of the house opened exactly. It. But like, wouldn't they all it's always like be open during is, the day? It's almost it's like, like this is its own world and this is its own thing, right? And then every once in a while, it wires get crosses crossed. over. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's what I understood. But yeah, that's a good call. Mm-hmm. All right. So having completed the others, Pablo, for the first time in 2024, what's your anal, sis? All right. So one of the things that I love about this film, I think this film was a really consequential film when it came out, because around this time, we just had Scream in 1996, and then Scream really kicked off a bunch of um, slashers again, right? So we're getting gory violence. We're not getting a lot of scary spooky stuff we are a bit because a lot of like you know and i think in the 2000s we had the ring and like you know we had these japanese horror stuff but the reality is we kind of really strayed away from gothic horror we really strayed away from you know something very slow paced a slow burn and i think this movie really did such a good job at bringing that back almost like elevating horror a little bit um one of my all-time favorite things about this film and so you know i was talking to you about night swim and you know i have an issue with night swim the james wan of it all of like constantly showing you the monster um what this movie does so well so fucking well is you are it tells you a story and you're watching the monster but you don't realize that you're watching the monster it tells it from the point of view so it feels like they don't show you anything. And then when you find out, you're like, I was watching the whole thing the entire time. I think that's incredibly, it was a very clever twist. It was wonderful because if we would have known that they were ghosts the whole entire time, it wouldn't be that fucking scary. 
but we never see the ghosts, which is the live people. We see the ghosts, which are the story, like we're seeing the story from their perspective. And I thought that was very smart. I know that um, the sixth sense did something very similar, which mm-hmm. was clever, but the sixth sense was a little more fast paced. You saw a little more gore. You saw all this stuff. And this really is very trim from all of that, which I think why, which I think why like this film is part of the criterion collection. Now, why this film is analyzed so much, why this film as a ghost story is a up there to me with like the haunting in the sense of it creates such good atmosphere. And it's my favorite parts of all ghost stories. It's not seeing a whole lot, but just knowing the little things that are happening. Um, yeah. What about you? What's your analysis? The biggest thing that I get take away from it is like the really creepy atmosphere. And yeah. that is just enhanced by the performers. So I like, I can feel the coldness in the house when I'm watching the movie. I, you know, feel the darkness. Like it is very creepy. And like you had said, this is a departure from, this is a departure from the slashers that were going on, like the early 2000s when we're getting like, you know, the urban legends, uh, you know, wrong turns, Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot. Like it's, it definitely stands alone. And this goes back to, gothic or haunted houses like it's a single location i really enjoyed it in its simplicity and the story is simple but very creepy and so i really really appreciate that Mm -hmm. i think some of the writing is is clunky and i don't know how we're supposed to feel about grace if we're supposed to forgive her in the end or is she is she a redeemed villain because I, it's very hard for me to have a different opinion about her knowing what she did to her own children yeah um and then again there's that you know that kind of just like dialogue dump to you know to to, to move the plot along that i don't think was really necessary i agree but Overall, I mean, when we watch horror films, we watch films to feel something, right? Like, you definitely feel the fear. You feel for the kids. I fucking love Anne and her, like, again, critical thinking skills, her ability to really question authority. And I find her to be, you know, it's such, it's sad that she is forever going to be this little girl and a ghost. And same with Nicholas as well. But I just I I do really in, enjoy this film. Yeah. It's not a perfect film for me. I uh, but it's, you know, definitely entertaining and I can see why it entered the Criterion collection. Oh, for sure. Paul, tell me who you stabbing. Oh, obviously, Mr. Tuttle. Oh, no, really? I'm just kidding. Oh. No, I'm fucking kidding. Of course not. <laughs> it's definitely going to be um, the dad. Yeah, same Charles or whatever. Yeah. Charles, yeah. Yeah, no. I, I've always found that actor to be incredibly handsome. I love a prominent nose. Um, what, so yeah, for sure. What but other movie is... What other movie He's been in a lot of shit. He's in a he, ton of stuff. He was... He's a British actor. He was one of the Doctor Who's. Yep leftovers okay yeah yeah he's been in a ton of stuff so you're the same there yeah the same and like hardcore right. hardcore. hardcore hardcore him yeah hardcore parkour parkour mm. hardcore whatever all up in that dick <laughs> all up in that dick 
Give me that. Give ghost me that dick. militant dick. <laughs> <laughs> Military ghost dick. Ghost dick. <laughs> okay. Now, for the gay gays, we have a system to review how accessible this film is to a gay audience. We look at three things. Queer representation. Is the queer experience represented within the film? Queer aesthetics. Does the film understand the wants, needs, and language of a queer audience? And queer embrace. Has a queer audience embraced this film? Pablo, mm-hmm. what do you think? Um, okay. Honestly, no. No, that that that's not bad. I think it's a great film, but there's nothing queer about this film. And this film actually has no sexuality. There's like one tiny yeah. scene, but like that's it. There's no sexuality. There's no real camp to this film. It isn't queer language. There's nothing representative of the queer experience. Doesn't mean it's a bad film. It just it's you know it's it's on it it chose its lane and it's definitely going down that lane. That's it. Yeah, I feel I feel the same way. There's nothing campy. I mean, the only thing is Nicole Kidman's in it. And like, yeah, that's it. Her hair looks great. That's really the only gay thing. I mean, I guess the are you mad? I am your daughter. I'm sure there that's been incorporated into into a drag number. I'm sure. I'm sure. But beyond that, I like nothing, nothing gay. All right. Well, travel host or ghost here at Skirt Gay, we have a hookup inspired rating system and it's simple and split into three parts. Travel, you are going out of your way for this film. A plus. Host, good enough, pleasurable, but you know, you're not going to go out of your way for it. And then ghost, hard pass, not memorable, and we'd only revisit in a moment of desperation. Paul. I'm a host. On this one, okay. uh, you know, again, I, I respect it as a film, but when we do these travel host and ghosts, we're not necessarily doing it as like a critical rating, right? Yeah, we're doing sure. it from like our perspective of like how our we experience. personally feel about the movie. Sometimes it, you know, there's more nostalgia that plays into it. I don't have mm-hmm. too much nostalgia for this film, but I yeah. think I think it's a solid film. I think people should watch it, but it's not. Like, if I never see this movie again in my life, I don't think I'll miss out on anything. But I'm also not going to, like, refuse to watch it. For sure. How about how about you? Uh, for me, I it's a travel. I think it's just a good film. And I would watch it again because I do like the eerie atmosphere of it all. Um, I'm not going to be, like, watching it all the time. But, like, I would definitely would watch it again. Like, and I know that I would have fun. I own it. So it, I think it's a great film. Nice. Well, that was the others officially kicked off our season three. Thank you all for listening and continuing to listen. It's been a while since we've gotten any written reviews on Apple Podcasts. So again, reminder, five-star written review. We will read it on an episode. Uh, They're Mm -hmm. a huge help to boosting us and getting us out there. We have a lot of really cool things planned for you coming up this year. Maybe maybe an additional platform that you all might be able to find us on but don't say anything fibba don't don't be quiet be quiet that's what the little boy kept saying and that's what nicholas kept saying i know you're (laughs) you're such a whiny baby (laughs) cowardly custard cowardly custard 
<laughs> well, if you would like to follow us, you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Scared Gay Podcast. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Paul You Ever Wanted and Pablo. Yes, I am on Instagram at The Exorcist SF and TikTok at Exorcist83, which I should be posting more on. I know. I Every time I say TikTok, I'm like, I should oh, post. But I, I had like one video that went viral like yeah. when I first did it in 2020, and then I like never post. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this was The Others. Very excited about next episode. We are, especially because with the news of Maxine coming out in March, mm-hmm. we're going to kick off the Ty West trilogy with X. Yes, I'm super stoked. I That is such a good film. That is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that, you know, I, I love this franchise and, you it's know, great. love Pearl. And so I'm excited to be able to kind of talk about these, uh, you know, coming up and everything. So. Listeners, we love you as always. And until next time, stay scared, stay safe, and maybe get a little gay. I am Paul. I'm Pablo. Bye. Bye. Bye.